Ray here. Glad to be back. Thank you for spending some of your valuable time here. One quick note, I'm happy to announce that we have connected with American Vision, and my book is now available at AmericanVision.org. So uh, take an opportunity to cancel Amazon and head over to American Vision and get your copy of the book. Get uh, one for you and uh, two for your friends. Episode 16 today, and I think we'll call this How to Get the Recognized Church, Part 1. Well, I want to continue our discussion on the necessity of the recognized official church. We are going to talk about some of the how-to to to actually do this. Some of that will be uh, today, and some of that will be in the next episode. But I promise you that I will discuss some of the hard questions like what congregation should we cooperate with and what's the criteria, etc. But hang on uh, a bit longer. This is a critical topic, and the theology really drives the boat here big time. We as confessionalists talk about the necessity of a civil government being connected to and unified under Christ. Uh, We talk about it because it's necessary uh, anytime, but especially in the world we're living today. The lack of this confession uh, begets pluralism, and pluralism begets societal curses. But before we get to a civil magistrate confessing Christ, we need the church to play its societal role as an institution. And I I know there's a lot set against this. Certainly there are legal aspects, there are anti-establishment clauses in our Constitution, um, all those things out there. But the main obstacle is not external, it's internal, our internal thinking within the church. Our thinking today, even, and I would say especially in evangelical circles, is very individualistic, very uh, atomistic. And yet what we see in Scripture and in history is a unified church that uh, has a place as an institution in society. That, that's why the only question for a town in the Reformation was whether the town was going to be Protestant or Catholic. So as we build local Christendom, we have to start with the church. And we see this principle in in 1 Peter 4.17, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? The recognized church comes uh, before a a confession of the civil magistrate. And one, one reason that I'm spending so much time on this last podcast and probably another one uh, is twofold. Number one, I didn't say too much about this in my book. And I, I, I think that's a, it's, it's a missing element, I believe. And number two, what's happening today? The, the bonds of federal tyranny over the states are beginning to loosen and uh, we're entering a period of instability um, and opportunity. And it's time for the church to reassert its God-given societal role. I want to give just a quick review of last time. We made the case for the officially recognized church. And I suggested recognized church, not established church, be be what we use um, in terminology, because the state does not establish the church. Jesus does. 
And the reasons that I gave for the necessity of the recognized church comes from the impossibility, or at least the infeasibility, of the opposite. If you don't have the recognized church, you can't have a coordinated effort, institution to institution, that is required to enforce the Ten Commandments. So it's pretty simple. The state has the sword of punishment, and it has to punish crimes such as murder, uh, adultery, lying, and uh, you know such things as blasphemy and idolatry. If those go unpunished, you're living in a defiled land. And we can't think, we cannot think, that if we, if we are people of the book, that we can have idolatry and blasphemy and Sabbath-breaking in the land and somehow uh, sidestep this and uh, pursue a, a righteous society and just ignoring these things. It, it, it won't work. So the church has to bring the word in an official, institutional way to the civil magistrate. One law for Israel and the stranger. This is from Leviticus 24.22. Ye shall have one manner of law, as well as for the stranger, as for one of your own country, for I am the Lord your God. So this requires a singular, official understanding of the Bible that needs to come from an institutional church. Now, what about individual Christians? Can they bring the word publicly as well? Absolutely. But it doesn't make up for the societal institution that God created in the church. And if we're if we're honest, we Americans have uncoupled ourselves to the point where we think that the church is simply a collection of individual Christians, and which is way short of what the, the Bible requires. Now, so last time, we also talked about the biblical qualifications for office. There are basically five qualifications for office, and four out of five are religious in nature. To have no religious test for civil office is blatantly unbiblical. And we see what happens when we don't have biblically qualified men leading. Eventually, things go the way they're going today. And I want you to put on your logic hat for a minute and, and, and just think about this. So we are not saying that if you have an official established church, you will have a righteous society. The official church can go bad and mostly has gone bad, like in places like Denmark and England. But what we are saying is that an official church that is faithful is required to maintain societal holiness. In simple terms, the recognized church is required but not sufficient because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you got to have the recognized church, um, but it has to be faithful as well. Now, let's start to put a saddle on uh, on this theological horse we've been building. Now, I've kind of strung this along, and you're probably thinking that I'm out of my mind. You probably think I'm living in some other world. How in the world are we going to get a recognized church today? Our culture and our legal system are both flatly set against it, and even most American Christians are against it. Well, here's the plot twist. Okay, the plot twist. We already have it. We already have the recognized church right where we are today, and you're probably even a part of that recognized church because the recognition comes from the only one who really has a say in the matter. It's Jesus' church, and he recognizes it. Our part, and what I'm suggesting here, is 
that we rediscover the church as it actually is, a societal institution of Christ. Now, a bit about our laws. The Christian's mindset must be that that it does not matter at the end of the day what the Supreme Court says. It does not matter what the president or the governor says if what they say is out of step with the Bible. Once they, they go off the biblical reservation, they have just surrendered all legitimacy. Uh, the Bible requires us to have this mindset. And uh, the future freedom of our families really is dependent upon it. So, uh, so the recognized church, we don't have to construct it. It was built uh, 2,000 years ago at Pentecost and really even goes back into the Old Testament. Um, and actually, we don't need legalization. We, d- we don't need a- any, um, any laws here. We just skip that. Uh, you've heard of uh, fake it till you make it. Well, in our case, it's live it till they learn it. Live it till they learn it. In other words, we need pastors to play their societal role of official counsel to the, the civil magistrate. And I'm not just talking about Twitter posts and podcasts like this one that um, virtually none of the secularists uh, consume. I'm talking about uh, face-to-face, local, in your county, in your state, official counsel from the church as the church. More on this later. As far as our tactics go, our strategy Go asymmetric. Uh, th- that's almost always my strategy. If if I'm up against something dead on, then I will take a different angle. I will uh, do an oblique. Uh, in this case, the officially recognized church doesn't have to be officially official. <laughs> By that, what I mean is it doesn't have to be legalized in a positive law kind of way but it can be practically official. And that's what really matters, again, since Jesus has has all authority and he's already the one who's recognized the church. The church has to function as the official church, coming with the authority of God, bringing the word in a professional, and yes, I do mean professional way. Uh, The church ministry is a profession, and it has outward elements of a profession, pastors or pastors. Civil magistrates are civil magistrates. Both offices uh, exist within institutions by the authority of God as vice regents. So we, uh, we, we live it till they learn it. To help this education along, there has to be some external display of this theological reality. Uh, once you have discovered who the true churches are in your area, and you've formed a coalition, go go get yourself a logo, get a website, get uh, business cards that say, you know, something like the Church Synod of Adams County or the Church Synod of Oklahoma. And, and I recommend not saying Baptist or Reformed or even Protestant. And of course, there will be standards uh, by which, uh, you know, we, we form these coalitions, and I promise we will get to those. But saying Protestant or Reformed or Baptist or whatever means that you are of one branch of many, and that goes completely against the institutional church. There are times for those distinctions, but we need to operate from the point that the church was reformed about 400 to, to 600 years ago into the singular entity that it is today. Now, you might be thinking, okay, another call for churches to work together. But what I'm saying is more than that, much more. I, I'd like for you to take a minute and analyze the phrase that I just said, churches need to work together. Notice that churches is plural. 
we think that a congregation is a church, or if we don't think that way, we, we live that way. But the Bible says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, that comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, and it's talking about the unity of the church. One pastor pointed out to me recently that it doesn't just mean that people in a congregation need to live in in, in unity. It means the the broader church, the the congregations, true congregations, need to live out their unity in Christ with each other. The Reformation was not so that we could scatter the church into congregations. The Reformation was so that we could reform the singular church. Now, I want to say something about the parachurch, more specifically the Christian nonprofit organizations who are active in civics. For example, Family Research Council. What is Family Research Council? Is it, is it an organization, a nonprofit? Is it the church? I just saw today that the House Democrats are asking the IRS to look into the Family Research Council because it is claiming to be a church for tax purposes. So, I mean, even the House Democrats are are bringing to light this question um, of whether or not these parachurches are the church or not. These organizations can be helpful. I, I appreciate organizations like the Family Research Council and many like them, but it's gone too far, I, I think if we outsource them to be the prophetic word to the public, to the civil magistrate. And um, if we say things to ourselves like they have the time to focus on the issues and proclaim it to Congress, um, we're not there. And this allows us to focus on our own congregations. There's a lot of problems with this type of thinking. I think a better approach is to utilize these parachurch organizations to bring the church uh, the institutional church to the forefront. And I think really once you have a practically recognized church, things like uh, like the Council on Biblical Manhood and, and Womanhood, uh, rather than be a spokes, uh, you know, agency, a, a spokesman agency, they can be a think tank to help the church coordinate and communicate. The church must speak as the church, and we can't outsource this to non-institution because God, God designed society to deal institution to institution. Now, what if the civil magistrate is not interested in all, all this? They're, they're, they're not uh, doing like what they used to do in the first Christendom, and that was uh, the civil magistrate would work with the church and even ask uh, for its official position on things. So I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, they're not asking anymore. So what does that mean? Well, I think the Bible gives the answer. Just like in the Old Testament, sometimes the king would ask for the prophets to you know, bring the Word of God, but other times they didn't, and the prophets gave unsolicited advice. So I think that both of these things have a biblical precedent. So what does this look like? What's the end state? Here's my suggestion. Once you have your coalition of churches— Take the initiative and have a unified synod on a specific issue uh, and present your biblical guidance, not from yourselves, and this is key, uh, uh, as representatives of God himself. Let's put it this way. As a coalition of pastors, church officers, you are not representing the church. You're not representing the church. Rather, you are the church representing Christ, and that's different. It's, it's not like the American Association of Retired People representing retired people. We are bringing the Word of God 
uh, as, uh, as his vice regents. So here's what I see as the line of effort, how we do this. First, form your coalition, counties first, uh, regional second, and state third. And tune in next time for how to do this. Uh, and go get all of the professional paraphernalia, such as logos, a, a name, like we already mentioned, Synod of Adams, Adams County or Synod of Missouri or Church of Missouri, something like that. Uh, when you do this, stay away from incorporation. Uh, don't do that. Don't become a 5013C. And uh, I would really stay away from finances completely. Keep the IRS out of it. So form your form your coalition. Second, have your synod meet, your coalition meet. Pray. Don't forget to pray. And write a position paper on a topic um, of a current issue. And the topic, the title should be something like... Um, Council for the Missouri Civil Government on Passing Laws on Abortion. And uh, I wrote this down. It begins something like, Dear Governor, insert name, and legislatures, the Synod of Missouri, in representing Jesus Christ and ministering his word to our beloved state, provide this guidance from the Holy Scripture as how to develop laws on abortion. Let it be known, if followed, these biblical principles will garner blessings in our land, but to avoid or oppose them will garner curses in our land. Something like that with a a weighty official uh, verbiage, you know, the way they used to write in, you know, like Calvin in the the front of his uh, institutes or like the introduction to the Westminster Confession. Third, request a meeting with the legislative committee assigned to write these laws. If they don't issue an invite, just show up in full force, you know, at the committee meeting on Tuesday at three o'clock or whatever. Have 50 pastors crowd the room and have copies of the position paper to pass out to everyone, you know, to the the legislators and, and everyone in the audience and have official looking folders and gold embossed with your synod seal that, you know, shows your state or your county. I see where I'm going. We're we're practically official, acting official, and there's nothing illegal about it at all. And then offer to have a synod representative speak on the floor debate. Also ask to see the governor. Now, to get appointments, I think you'll probably have to work within some existing connection, and that's where maybe these Christian nonprofits come in. But make sure you come as the church, not as a Christian organization. We need to be humble, but we need to remember we are speaking on behalf of the reigning king. This is much more than just churches working together. I hope I've convinced you that the recognized church is an unavoidable aspect of the new Christendom, in local Christendom that we are building. We have to have it in order to enforce biblical law. And that's another topic I know we're going to have to deal with, how to enforce biblical law at the county and eventually the the state level. But we're getting there, and the recognized church is a necessary first step. The good thing is that, in my estimate, we don't need any any legislation uh, to start acting as the church that we already are. If one of our pastors— speaks at a committee hearing, and he says he is coming as a church officer representing Jesus Christ and his word, and they listen, well, you have a recognized church in practice as well as in reality. 
Now, understand there will be obstacles along the way. Satan won't like this. There will be people who don't like this. But we can engage in spiritual warfare and trust that God will give us an audience, as he did, for example, to Esther. If we practice the reality of a singular institutional church, if we uh, live it until they learn it, in a confident but humble way, we have just reestablished one of the three legs of Christendom. And we have done so in a confessional way because the church has to confess Christ corporately in, in order to even be a true congregation. Well, tune in next time as we discuss how to form our coalition of true congregations and by what standards we would use for that determination. Until then, let's take some sturdy hope from Psalm 6311. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs>